Amen. So I am like extra super fired up, super extra, super duper duper excited to be here doing church with you guys. As Shondor said, we had a powerful, powerful, amazing encounter weekend this weekend. Encounter number 46. And as Shondor said, it just never ceases to amaze me how God shows up every time. Imagine that. Shows up every, every single time. Signs, miracles, wonders, freedom, deliverance. So much good, 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 good stuff. And I always tell Pastor Jessica, I feel like this Sunday after encounter, there's always like this extended anointed overflow <laughs> that happens in and through the service. So I'm excited to see what God does for us today. But if you're joining us today, let's look at our, we've been doing a, a four-part sermon series. Who remembers what we've been talking about the last few weeks? Love and respect. Y'all pay attention. Thank you so much for paying attention. And so we've been talking about love and respect, right? We said that every single person on the face of the planet, they need Jesus, right? But every person on the face of the planet deserves love, real love, and deserves respect, real respect. Why? Because every single person was created in the image of God, it says. So there is eternal value over every single person, over every single soul, and God wants us to literally adorn that love, adorn that respect every single day, everywhere that we go. We said it's very important that we don't get our definition of these two things from the world. Because love is a, it's a short four-letter four word, right? And it means so much. And, and the enemy's cunning, and he comes in, and he wants to divide and bring about chaos and bring disorder. And so the world will say things like, you know what? Love somebody if, if, if they respect you first. Or respect somebody. Never bow down to somebody. Respect somebody when they respect you first. Or, you know, if love somebody as long as they make you feel loved. And as soon as they stop making you feel loved, well, then find somebody else. Guys, I hope and pray that you hope and pray every day, but I hope and pray that you also are in God's word every single day because this is where we have to get our definition of what godly love is and what it looks like and what godly respect is and what it looks like because if, if the church does love and respect the way the world does, ain't nobody going to come to Jesus. We're not going to help people. We're going to hurt people. Does God want us to hurt people? Heckles no. Somebody say heckles. Heckles no. He wants us to, be, to build a bridge to invite people into the kingdom of God. So when you love somebody the way God says to love somebody, we pre-decide, you know what, I'm going to love sacrificially just the way Jesus did for me when I was even in my sin, when I was in my pigsty. Jesus loved me, praise God, and Jesus respected me even in my pigsty, praise God. And so I'm going to pre-decide that that's how I'm going to treat other children of God, even if they still haven't accepted Jesus yet. Can you love somebody when they're being unlovable? Mm. If you're sitting next to your spot, don't look at them. <laughs> Can you respect somebody when they're being disrespectful? Guys, and if we do, do things the way the world does, we, we are literally living in an age right now where if I disagree with Billy Bob, or if I disagree with Linda Lou, we have different opinions. Just because I disagree, they think I'm disrespecting them. 
We're living in that right now. How boring would the world be if we all had the exact same opinion? We need opinions to get better, guys. Every single person sees things differently, hears things differently. We need different opinions, and the world wants every person to think exactly the same. And if you're not careful enough, if you're not in prayer, and you're not in God's word, doing life the way God says, you'll just be another, another number, another person, lost, blind. We want God's leadership, and we want God's love and respect to guide us in and all things. The world should know us by the way we walk and live in love and respect. The world, we should stand out. We should shine bright for the kingdom of God. When you're at work and you love that person every single day the way God says to, when you respect that person every single day, wherever you go at Walmart or in your family or in your extended family, and they say, man, I ain't been treated this good in a long time. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. Yeah, what's different about them is the, the living, breathing God inside of them because they're doing life God's way. The world should recognize us by the way we love and respect. And so the last three weeks, we've really been using Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33. And we've been talking about love and respect, but what have we been doing? If you've been coming, we've really been honing in on relationships, specifically in the importance of marriage, right? Where's all my married folks? Hey, Amen. Look at all those hands. I got good news for you. I'm going to get off your toes for today. Somebody say, praise God. We've been on marriage for three weeks. All of our single folks say it. Hallelujah. Right? We can talk about relationships in general. So we are going to pivot off of the importance of marriage relationships. Hey, and if you guys missed any of those messages, man, they were powerful. So if you're married and you missed any of those, they're available for you on our app online. And if you want to grow and go get better as a married couple, consume that stuff. I praise God. God will meet you where you're at. But for today, we're going to pivot off of that. And just look holistically, not holistically like H-O-L, but whole, W-H-O-L, wholeness, a holistic view of relationships in general. And how important love and respect is for every single person in the dynamic of every relationship that we have. Guess what? You have relationships. Some of us have more than others, but we serve a God of relationship. He wants us in relationship with God, and he wants us in relationship with people. Love God, love People. So we need God, but we need people also as iron sharpens iron, right? So we said that love and respect, when we do it God's way, they actually unlock each other. When I love somebody the way God calls me to love somebody, it unlocks love inside them. And when I respect somebody the way God calls me to respect somebody, it unlocks respect inside of them. Do you see this? And it becomes a cycle of life instead of a cycle of death. And the goodness of God can follow us wherever we go. So look at that first point for today. So this is what it says. It says, So God in his wisdom created supernatural dependency that requires humility and sacrifice for all relationships to thrive. He asks us to give what doesn't come natural because he wants us to live supernatural lives. you got to get this in your spirit today. God did not redeem you, save you, set you free, send his perfect and only begotten son to die on a cross to set you free so that you could live 
an everyday, mundane, gray, static life, sharing the exact same opinions as every other single person out in the world. God saved you and set you free so that you can live a supernatural life. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want you to have a natural life. He wants you to have a supernatural life. And if we've experienced a supernatural God, we should be excited about those things. Thing is, doing relationships God's way is not going to come natural to you. Right? Because God, he, he revived my spirit, man, but guess what? I still have a flesh man. Somebody's tracking with me. It must be my wife. Amen. Thank you, babe. I love getting feedback. But So our spirit man's been redeemed. Our spirit woman's been redeemed. But I still have this flesh. And this flesh, generally when God says to do something, guess what? My flesh don't like what God asked me to do. Because really, I have to crucify my flesh every day, Paul says. And when you crucify your flesh and you say, you know what? Not today, devil. No, not today, negativity. Not today, Say no to the devil, and you say yes to God. Send me, Lord. I'll go. Uh, let me be your hands and feet today. Now, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take energy. It's going to take work. It may take you going the long way to do it God's way, specifically in relationships. Because if somebody offends you, and man, is it just me, or does everybody seem like they're offended all the time? Or is that just on social media? Is it really a real thing? I really think people are really offended all the time. If you are living in offense, guess what? God has to remove that before you and him are right. Because for you to be to you for you to experience that forgiveness for God, you have to freely give forgiveness. And when you freely forgive that forgiveness, now God can move in and use you. So to do relationships God's way, supernaturally, when my flesh begins to resist, build up walls, cut people off, they hurt me, they offended me, I'm done with them, it's going to require you to live a supernatural life because that's what your natural flesh is going to want to do. Do you see that? So you're going to have to allow the Spirit to, to do it God's way. You're going to say, you know what? I decide. Nine times out of ten, if they hurt you, the other person probably didn't even know they hurt you. So if you freely give them the grace that you want, right, when you hurt somebody that you didn't know you hurt, they come to you and say, you hurt me. What? I, no, yeah, you hurt. I'm so sorry. I did not mean that at all, right? So we all desire grace for us, but not one of us want to freely give grace. We need to be grace givers especially us married folk give grace to your spouse give grace upon grace upon grace because just because we're married right we said it doesn't mean that we know every single thing going on but that's why we need the spirit of God to reveal truth to us to teach us to lead us and to guide us right so when we adorn that, that supernatural way of doing life through sacrifice and through humility as we love and respect others, you'll begin to tap into that supernatural life. Because humility and sacrifice doesn't come natural. So when you adorn humility, 
for every single person you come in contact, in every relationship that you have. When you adorn, you put on, sacrifice, you tap into the supernatural things. Do you see that? Because God wants you to be supernatural. Look at Ephesians 5.21. So I told you we've been in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, but for today, since we're pivoting off marriage, we're going to use just verse 21 today, for time's sake also. So look there, it says, And further submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. I said in week one that culturally we have a submission issue. Nobody wants to submit to nobody because, dang it, I've worked hard to get here. Dang it, you better respect me. Dang it, I got a degree. Dang it, you fill in the blank, right? And it's, it's really a spiritual issue. No one wants to submit to anybody. And before Paul says, first, husbands submit unto your wives, and wives love your husbands out of reverence for Christ, he says, first submit unto one another. Did you notice that? I looked up that word submit. It means to, it means to yield to or accept. To yield to or accept. Right? So let's put that definition in the scripture. What does it say if we do that? And furthermore, accept and yield to one another. Out of reverence for who? Christ. So this is what we got to know. When I submit to somebody else, I'm not even saying that they're right. See, because we don't want to submit because if I submit, that means they're right and I'm wrong. And dang it, I don't want to be wrong. So, but he says, yield and to accept, to submit. We submit to one another. People that we come in contact, submit to one another uh, in our relationships out of love and respect for the reverence of Christ. So when I submit to somebody else, when I accept them, when I yield to their opinions, their ideas, the way they want to do life, the way they want to raise their kids. You got your kids, you raise your kids the way you are called to raise your kids and don't try to tell somebody else how to raise their kids, right? And just because we disagreed, doesn't mean I've disrespected you. And when I submit to those things in that type of way, I yield and accept them into reverence before God. So I, I'm not submitting to the person. I'm submitting to God. Can I get an amen? amen? You're not submitting to another person, guys. You're submitting out of love and respect for reverence for Christ and what he's done for you. Right? In every relationship, it'll take mutual submission. If you want a healthy Vibrant, thriving relationship. There'll have to be mutual submission. One day, you get to pick where you want to eat. The next day, maybe I get to pick, right? One day, you get to pick what movie we're going to watch. The next day, maybe I'm going to pick what movie we're going to watch. I pursue you, and you pursue me. If in any way that relationship dynamic has gotten out of balance, that relationship's going to die. Because every person has those needs. God fills those needs, but God, he also uses godly people in our lives to help add on to the goodness of God. All right, so look at that next point as we're talking about healthy, growing relationships. The key to all healthy, growing relationships is, what does that say? Submit. Just say that together. Submit. Man, that sounded painful for you guys to say even. Let's say that again. Submission. Let's make this our prayer. Lift your hands. I want to pray over us. Father God, Lord, I thank you that we have a submissive spirit, a submissive heart, and a submissive mind to your spirit. 
I ask that you release that submissive spirit right now in Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. Amen. Why do we need a submissive spirit? Because when I don't live in a submissive spirit, I'm a control freak. Growing relationships is submission, not control. And that's really the crux of the matter. Right? Many people struggle to develop healthy relationships because they are afraid. And fear creates a desire for control. We got to get real. We got to get honest. And we got to meet with God. And we have to admit and, and release that fear. I can't live in fear and faith at the same time. Did you know that? The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of, but of, and, and a sound mind. Love, power, and a sound mind are the opposite things of fear. But a lot of us do relationships out of fear because we've been hurt. I've been backstabbed. I've been gossiped about. You know what? People hurt me. And so I put up walls. I can't trust anybody. And so I'm fearful. And out of fear, I become a control freak. And I'm probably edgy to be around. And people may not like being around me because I am so edgy. Because I've been so hurt. I got all these, these open wounds. And if you say the wrong thing, if we get too close, if I, if I see a certain thing, it sets me off. And if I have a submissive spirit, that says, you know what, God, I need you to heal these hurts. I need you to heal these wounds. I need you to help me. You know God's your helper. All you got to do is ask for help. SOS, man, he's, boom, he's there. Instant access to heavenly help. But it, it really boils down to the key in relationships is that ability to give grace and see grace when your flesh says, they did me wrong. I disagree with them. But it's that submissive spirit when it rises up above that natural tendency where supernatural things begin to happen and you release control onto him. And you say, these things are in your hands. Guess what that is? Faith. That's faith. Releasing the control of all things into his hands. So we, we have to fight this, this tendency, this Somebody help me with the word I'm trying to say. What is it? Urge. I thank you, babe. This urge to, to, to stay stuck in this place of fear and this impulse of having to control others. Because if I'm controlling others, I'm doing God's job. And guess what? God don't need your help. He doesn't. He's the king of kings, as we said in worship and pray today, right? He does not need your help. God is in control. Make this your prayer. Before you ask God to change them, ask Him to change you. Because there's never been one time in any of my relationships where something went wrong or we got this unresolved issue that needs to, you know, we need to have some tough conversations or something, there's a hurt or something's going on in a broken relationship. There's never been one time where God said, you know what, Ian, you did everything right. Never, not once. Hey, and I'm a pastor. Your pastor falls. Your pastor misses it. I'm far from perfect. I'm the last person that should be your pastor, honestly. It's amazing how God made me your pastor. But that's, that's what we're talking about here. 
being able to experience the, the fullness of God, you can't experience the fullness of God until you get honest with God. And so when you can get honest and say, you know what? You let the Holy Spirit turn the mirror on yourself. Because you'll be the first one to throw stones, but man, you better not throw a stone at me. Right? When the Holy Spirit, you turn that, that mirror on yourself, he'll begin to say, you know what? You could have done this better. You could have used that word instead of that word. You could have reached out more. You, 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 you could have asked. You could have, you could have done this, 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 and this. And I know if he's done that for me, he's done, done that for you. Uh, or if, you've, if you're just entering into a relationship with God, he'll do that for you. And when we submit to that type of leadership and that type of faith, guess what happens? Restoration. And the enemy, guys, he wants to pervert every good thing that God wants to do. So your flesh says, this is going to be a hard conversation. Your flesh says, that's going to be painful to relive that. Your flesh says, is it worth it? Your flesh says, you know what? I don't need them. And the enemy digs in there because he wants to keep you separated. And if we can get past that and see the scheme of the enemy, amazing things can happen and restoration can happen. Do you see that? And that's what God really wants to do. Look at Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We're living in a day where everybody is so afraid of what other people will think. We're so afraid of their opinions that they may or may not even have. I live my life based on what I think they think about me. How messed up. You live your life based on what you think they think about you. If you live your life that way, guess what you have done? You have made that person your God. That's messed up. Tell your neighbor, that's messed up. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? We need a good dose of healthy fear of God. Fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. Somebody reads their Bible. It's Pastor Rob over here. I love you, sir. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says. We need a good old healthy dose of fear of God. Because if I fear people more than I fear God, people become my God. But I need people, but I need to live my life. In, in a rever and I'm not talking about being afraid of God. Do y'all know that? I'm talking about a healthy fear, a reverence. You're the king of kings. You done delivered me from drugs and alcohol. Holy Spirit, you done show me if I go back, I'll die. Okay, God. That type of healthy fear. And that, I'm just sharing what the Holy Spirit shared with me. When he delivered me from my alcoholism and my drug addiction. The last time he delivered me, Holy Spirit said, that's the last time. If you go back, you will die. I said, praise you God. That, that type of fear of God. We need that type of healthy fear of God over fear of people. Do you see what it said? At the end of that it said, it said, but what, in Proverbs 29, 25, but fear of, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So when I fear God, I trust in God instead of people. Trusting God's going to be scary. But it's a whole lot better than trusting people. Trusting people is scary too. But when I trust God, I live by faith. 
And if you just got born again a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, 20 years ago, you'll know that God always allows us to see in part and hear in part. He's not, you're never going to get to the spiritually mature, mature place that says, you know what? I know all the answers. God will never show you all the answers. We see in part and we hear in part because if he showed us all the answers, what do I need faith for? What do I need Jesus for? So when I live by faith, he confirms. He asks me to take a step. I take a step in faith. It's scary, but I fear God. I, I trust God, not people. And when I take that step, he confirms something. There's somebody else or something that says, you know what? You did the right thing. He praises you. He, he fills you up. And you're like, okay, man, that was kind of scary. But what, what, what are we doing next? I want you to do this. Oh, God, that. Oh, are you sure? When we say spiritual, spiritual mature things like, I'm going to pray about that. <laughs> I'm going to think about that, God. Hey, I, I'm going to try and get in the Bible and read about that. And then he takes you right to a passage. And it's like, and you're like, you can't ignore it anymore. But you take the step. And what happens? He confirms it. And he affirms it. All for your good and for other people's good. And guess who wins? The kingdom of God. Good things. Peaceful things. Joyful things. Healing. Wholeness. Restoration. Those sounds like good things to me. Give them all to me, God. If you want to do this right here. Say, give them to me, God. Give all of them to me, right? Just a couple of you. All right, come on. I know it looks kind of funky and kind of weird. I don't care. Well, look, I don't care what you think. I, I, I'm in a living in a fear of the Lord today, right? Give it all to me. I don't care how funny I look for Jesus. Give me that good stuff. Look at that next point. It says, if we're honest, we're afraid of being hurt. If we're honest, we're afraid of people more than we're afraid of God because we're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of being known. We're afraid of them actually getting to see who I really, somebody say really, am. And being abandoned. We've all been abandoned. We've all been those three things in one place or another. Right? Why? Because we've all been hurt, rejected, and abandoned. We're all afraid of people. We value their opinions so much because every time we were hurt, we were hurt by a person. That is why Jesus had to come. Because as soon as sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve chose sin over God, hate entered the world. Rejection entered the world. When you open that Pandora's box of sin, we talked about wanting all the good stuff. When you open that Pandora's box of sin, you get all the bad stuff. And so now we have people killing people. Cain and Abel, the first known murder. They want to get rid of all of our guns because guns kill people. No, people kill people. Cain killed Abel with a rock. You take my guns, sin will take people to kill people with rocks. If I was going to be murdered, shoot me before you beat me with a rock. So it's a sin issue, and we're afraid of people because hurt people, hurt, wounded, broken people, hurt, wounded, broken people. They lash out. I'm hurt 
So I want you to know how hurt I am. And that's why we live shallow lives, and that's why we have shallow relationships, and that's why some of us mature Christians say, I'm going to guard my heart, and that's what we're going to read that here in a moment. We're called to do that, what Proverbs 4.23 says, but that can get out of whack too. You, You can guard your heart so much that you don't allow anybody in because you've been so hurt, and that's not God either. You need a healthy balance to everything. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Let's read it together. What does it say? It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It it determines where you will go. The condition of your heart determines where you're going to end up. If I have a, a wounded, a wounded heart turns into a hard heart pretty quick. And if I have a hard heart guiding my life, I'm not going to go definitely not where God wants me to go, but you may find yourself in jail. You may find yourself in divorce. If you let your hard heart make all the decisions, let your hard heart have a say, you'll end up in the pigsty. Then after, after all the chaos and all the hurt and all the, all the tornadoes of life and all the storms of life and the tests and trials of life, you'll find yourself alone, miserable, still hurting. Still hard, wondering what happened. I read a, a statistic this last week. They were polling, I think it was like over 100 people that were at the last stages of their life. And they asked, them, they asked them to all give them feedback on what they regretted as they were getting older and literally staring death in the face. I think a lot of them were terminal. But it's amazing they got a lot of the same answers from all these people from all over the world facing death, literally facing death in the face. And the number one thing that they all said, you want to know what it was? They said that they wished that they could go back, that they would have healthy relationships. They wished that when they were around their family, they'd tell them that they loved them. And they wished they would have forgive people that hurt them. And they wished they would have, they realized it was all about people and family. It's a reflection of the love of God. Do you know that? We read it last week. Paul Paul calls the love of God like a mystery. The joining together of the bride of Christ to the bridegroom of who is Christ, the Son of God. The mystery of how he joins them together in relationship. All to work out for the good, for the body. We need healthy relationships in all areas. In your family, family, in your extended family, at work, your friends. This is for somebody. You need to vet people into your inner circle. You should have an inner circle of friends, right? Three to five people that know everything about you. People that you can trust. People that you know will pray for you. People that you know in confidentiality won't share those things that you're struggling with, that you're believing for. And then you don't don't just meet somebody and so you know what? Come on in right, to that inner circle. You, and then you have a broader circle of friends and a broader circle of influence, specifically if you're single, guys, and you're praying for a spouse, believing for a spouse. Ask them the tough questions. If you ask them, do you believe in God? And they say, yes, don't stop there. There's a lot of gods, you know that? Do you believe in the King of Kings who is Jesus of Nazareth, that God? And if they say yes, then, what do you think about this and this and this? You'll spare yourself a lot of trouble. 
We need to vet our relationships. All right, look at that next point. It says, there's no guarantee that you won't be hurt. I can't promise you that even if you vet your relationships that you won't get hurt because people are flawed. We're fickle. We're evil apart from Jesus. Your desires are evil apart from Jesus. I'll raise both my hands. Apart from Jesus, I'm no good. I can't get to heaven on what I've done. Now, now your works matter, but it's your faith that saves you. Right? I can't promise you guys that if you, if you step out in faith and try and do relationships God's way, that you won't get hurt or rejected or abandoned. But if you live out of fear, you're guaranteed to have shallow, empty relationships. And you'll have a shallow, empty life. You'll be a shell of yourself. Life-giving relationships requires vulnerability and faith. When we live out of fear, it, it still kills and destroys we live in this shallow place. And God wants to, excuse me, take us deeper. He wants to take you deeper. He wants to take you deeper into connection and deeper into revelation. He wants to take you deeper and we're all afraid. And I want to guard my life and guard my family and do all these things. And if we do that out of fear instead of faith, not only will you have a shallow, empty life, but you're going to miss so much. You're going to miss so much of the awesome things that God wants to do in and through those things. I've never once regretted to do something that God asked me to do. Now, I'll never say I, I was always like 100% like super. There's always like that, that borderline of like, I'm going to do this, God, but it's kind of scary, right? But whenever I, I, never not once will I regret, when I do it, he always shows up in more and blesses me even more when I respond by faith. And that's what God really wants us to tap into and to, and to believe for uh, and to live, right? Don't, don't even let your fear Stop you from being honest in your relationships. I think we're even afraid of honesty with people that are the closest to us. Be honest if somebody hurts you. Say, hey, what you said hurt me. Don't just, don't just ignore that and let that become a seed and let that, that seed take root because it doesn't take long before it's rooted in you. And now you're hurting that person. When somebody hurts you, have that conversation. Right? Have, those, have those conversations beforehand. Look at Proverbs 18.24. It says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Deep down, every person wants to have a lot of friends. Even if you put on a show, you know, I can do life myself, I can do life my way. God created, he created us with that innate ability to need relationship. They got statistics after COVID happened, you know, people were locked in their homes and everybody was segregated from themselves. People lost their minds. And when they began to release those restrictions, like amazing, there's amazing scientific data that 
When you hug somebody, something supernatural happens. We need relationship. And it says a man who, who has friends must himself be friendly. So we all have craved that desire that God put in us that we need relationship. But if I want to have friends, I got to live in respect and live in love. I got to be friendly. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around somebody who's not friendly, right? Somebody who's always, who's always gossiping or is always offended or always just, just, just being negative, right? That was one of the things I've been praying about this year. He said, I, I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to let negativity into my house this year. I'm talking about my spiritual house. I don't have room for negative people in my life. I don't have room for negative thoughts in my life. I don't have room for somebody else's negativity to come and live in here. And when you get around negative people, that's what begins to happen. Their negativity begins to rub off on you. And before you know it, the thing that I didn't like about them, I am now becoming. It's, negativity is the biggest cancer to the church. If you can't get over being negative, you will be a cancer to every single person that you come in contact with. There's no negativity in Christ. I'm sorry. Not one negative thing can I say about Jesus. Now, I experience negative moments. I experience negative days. I experience negative issues of life, but in those moments, I have to use those moments as opportunities to see the good. And the Lord has really been dealing with me and showing me in the hard places, if I can change my perspective and ask for his perspective, I can begin to see the good, even in the fireplaces, in the storm, there's still some good. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Uh, excuse me, just 1 Corinthians 15, 33. This is why it's so important that I've had my relationships and I don't allow negativity into my life. There's no room for negativity in my life. Because do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Some, some versions said corrupt good character. Evil corrupts. Negativity corrupts everything that it touches. And the devil undermines the vision of God, it undermines that person's peace. It undermines their family's peace. It undermines that marriage's peace. It undermines and kills, steals, and destroys everything that it touches. Look at that last point for today. So as we close this sermon series, I want you to see this. So through love and respect, we can fight for healthy, life-giving relationships. Remember, somebody say, remember. It's not what we do naturally, but what we do intentionally that changes things. As we started today, we said God doesn't want us to live natural lives. He wants us to live supernatural lives. To live a supernatural life, it's going to go against what I naturally want to do. I'm going to naturally want to stay stuck in my habits. I'm going to naturally want to stay stuck in my comfort places. I'm naturally going to want to stay stuck with doing my routines and the way I do life and the way I do relationships. And if I stay stuck, I'll stay stuck in fear. But if I can, by faith, allow the Holy Spirit to lead my life into uncomfortable positions, you know you can't grow outside your, you can only grow outside your comfort zone. Did you know that? 
And so if I can allow him to guide me outside of my comfort zones and do relationships and love people the way he says and respect people the way he says, if I do it intentionally, on purpose, God will bless it and you can have healthy, growing, vibrant relationships. I want to leave us with this scripture, James 4, 7. We started with submission. We're going to end with submission. Is that all right? So therefore, let's say that together, submit to God, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When it gets hard, when it gets tough, when it gets hard, when you get hurt, when you get offended, if you can remember to first submit to God, then the devil can flee from you. The evil can flee from you. If you can remember that first step, then you don't have to live in that emotion. Now, emotions are indicators that something's right or wrong, but they shouldn't be dictators in my life. I shouldn't allow my emotions to dictate the way I live. If I feel that way, that's okay. But I have to submit that feeling to God. And if I can do that, I'll get better. I'll feel better. I'll have more faith. And if you could submit to God, you could rebuke the devil and he actually may leave. A lot of people trying to rebuke the devil, but he ain't first submitted. You can't rebuke evil if it's already living in here. Now, if you submit to God, you can rebuke the devil and he'll flee from you. But if you let him set up camp, he ain't going nowhere. And guess where he likes to stay? Right in pride. As long as I stay in pride, you can rebuke the devil all day long, 365, and he ain't going to go. The devil is pride. I said, God will never hurt you. People hurt people every day, all day, until God comes back. I kind of fibbed a little bit. God will hurt you. He will hurt your pride. That is the only thing he will ever hurt. And if you can get over him stepping on your pride, then that's when you submit. And that's when real amazing things begin to happen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together to close. So as we close, I hope and pray you've enjoyed this sermon series, and I hope and pray the Lord has ministered to you. I hope something I said stuck today, rang clear in your spirit today. As we're talking about relationships, you got to know that. We submit to one another. But if I can first submit to God through my faith and relationship with God, then all my other relationships will work. If I submit to my relationship with God through his son, all the other relationships will click. So if you're here today and you've, you're already in a relationship with God, you're born again. You believe in Jesus. You've said that prayer. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was 10 years ago. But you're in relationship. You're working that relationship. God has a say in your life. If you're doing that, I want you right now to pray for the lost, please. We all know somebody that we love and care about that's lost. That needs the blinders to come on. That needs to become spiritually awake. And so let's pray for the lost, our, our lost, dying world right now. And as our saved folks are praying for our, our lost world, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ian, I've never made that decision. I've never prayed that prayer. If you're watching us online, you're in our sanctuary, you say, I've never made that decision, but something you said today changed my mind. God is dealing with my heart. I want to accept Jesus today. 
man, I'm excited for you. I want you to know the heaven is excited for you. But if he's dealing with your heart and you want to make that prayer today, I want to ask you to do something. And it's not for me. It's for God. It's for him to say and see, you know what? He hears what I'm saying. She hears what I'm saying. If that's you today, I want you right now to just stand up. Have faith to stand up. Physically stand up right now in our sanctuary. Something you take for granted every day. You stand up. Don't even think about it. But right now it's going to be special. It's going to be a moment. It's going to be a cemented thing in time that says, you know what, that day in Holly Pond, Liberty Church, I gave my life to Christ. And he began to have a say. He had a say in where I go. He had a say in what I do. He began to have a say in what I say. So if you want to make that decision, I'll give you a few seconds. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat. Say, hey, I'm making that prayer. I'm, I'm making that decision. Let us know so we can pray with you. Amen. Holy Spirit. Well, no one is standing in our sanctuary, but somebody could be praying this online. So I want to lead us on a prayer. I want you guys to repeat after me, okay? It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you. We accept your son, Jesus, right now. We believe that he's the son of God. He rose again on the third day. Confess that I'm a sinner. Needs a savior. Pray that you forgive me of my sins. I pray that you redeem my future. Send your Holy Spirit to lead my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good stuff. We're so glad that you guys came today to do church with us. Anybody glad you came today? And we're glad you came too, a couple of you. Come back and see us next week. Bring somebody if you want, all right? Y'all are officially dismissed. Have an awesome Sunday. Be safe. We love you, and we hope to see you next week.